Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 374, I am welcoming to the show, Kimberly Beam Holmes. So we were birthed from a couple that like they went through it and they figured it out. And that is in the DNA of what we do and continues to be. So we are passionate about the hopeless. We are passionate about when you don't know where else to turn, what do you do? We want to step in and use what God has given us to help. Kimberly is the CEO of a ministry called Marriage Helper. It's one that her dad, Dr. Joe Beam, started years ago from his own restoration story. He had been divorced for three years. You're gonna hear more about that in this episode. So I wanna encourage you, wherever you are on your marriage journey, sometimes this topic hits a nerve that's real tender and you're right in the midst of a challenge. I really want to connect you with Kimberly and her team because their whole goal is to help couples build strong relationships. They are passionate about situations that feel hopeless. And even in your marriage, if it's a if you are feeling like it's solid, that you can even grow an even a healthier marriage. It isn't simplistic, but there are simple places for us to start. And she's going to get into that in this episode. Real tangible perspective shifts, things you can do. I loved what she shares at the end of this episode. So I hope you listen all the way through. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Kimberly, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Heather, I am super excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me. Well, moms both don't want to talk about marriage but really know they need to, and they know marriage is important in the parenting years, but they feel at a complete loss and everybody's stressed out and everybody's at each other's throats. And so I do try my best to connect moms, dads with great options. And when your ministry popped through my email, I was like, this would be a great resource for people wherever they are in their marriages. But before we get into helping them out. I'd love for you to take a second and introduce your own family, your own spouse and kiddos. Yes, absolutely. I am married to Rob. We have been married for coming up on 12 years, which is so crazy to me. Oh, it's so crazy to me. But yes, uh, Rob used to be in the military. And then after that, he was in law enforcement. So I've definitely had that as part of, you know, being a wife of some of that heaviness that he's had to go through. And then when he got out of both of those things is when we really decided, you know what, we are ready to start our family now that we're not moving around all of the time and so on and so forth. The crazy thing though, is when Rob and I first started dating, actually on our very first date, I had just gotten home from a mission trip to India. And on that first date, I said to him, Rob, One day I am adopting kids from India. So if you're not cool with that for the future, like there's no need for us to go (laughs) to continue this any further, which really looking back, I think how crazy was I to say that to this guy on literally our first date, it goes against everything you're not supposed to do. Talk about kids on the first date, but he was like, okay, cool. Like I'm good with that. 
And so that is what we always knew we were going to do. And we had talked about it for several years, just thinking about all of these things, right? And then finally, when the time came, we started that adoption process, which could be its whole own podcast episode. I was going to say, we could talk about military marriages. We could talk about adoption. You've got all the things. There's a lot. Yeah, we've definitely been that couple that's like, let's just dive headfirst into everything, right? Our literally, literally, our first two months of marriage, we got married. He finished flight school. He had his final check ride the day after we got married in a flight school. And the next month, we moved halfway across the world to Korea. Like, this is how we operate. And we're not spontaneous people, but we take on big things and we're just like, okay. So when we started the adoption journey and the adoption process throughout it, we both began to say to each other, we really feel like God is putting two kids on our heart. And we never stipulated to our adoption agency, like kind of like what God was putting on our heart specifically. Like we always thought it would be a boy and a girl. We always had these certain ages in mind, but we never said, this is what we want. And lo and behold, the reference came through, that referral came through, and it was what we had been visioning and picturing that God had been placing on our hearts. And so literally overnight, when we finally got to India, the process was about a year. When we finally got to India, we went from one day being just the two of us to literally the next day being parents of a four and a two-year-old who could not speak English. (laughs) all of those things. Uh, And it was the most powerful show of the grace of God and how present and real he is in our lives. And we have been parents to those amazing children now for three years. And their names are Eliana. Eliana is seven now, about to be eight. And Arrow is our son who is five and a half. And it is the biggest joys and some of the hardest times, but definitely the greatest blessing that God has given us. Wow. Okay. That's my family. Yeah. That's your family. And yeah, like you mentioned, it brings the stresses and the joys and absolutely all of the things to our marriage. And, you know, we know there's a spectrum of marriages represented and just the listeners today, mm-hmm. like a spectrum of stories, just like your story has all these elements to it that are so unique sure. from my story. I mean, I've never lived in Korea, haven't adopted. So we want to acknowledge that talking about marriage is territory that is tender and that there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of like current grief right now, this moment, whether it's mm-hmm. related to affairs or addictions or any aspect of past hurts that are coming up in therapy and mental health. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have seen the gamut, I'm sure in your work. And so tell us a little bit about what you do, like marriage helper, their mission and how it got started. Absolutely. Marriage helper has the mission of supporting, saving and strengthening marriages to last a lifetime. We really specialize in what people come to us for for, from all over the world is helping to save a marriage in crisis. So typically we, the people who contact us are first are the ones who say, my spouse wants out. They are currently in an affair or they just, they left, we're separated now, or they've filed for divorce or any of those, those things that feel really hopeless. That is where we start with people. 
And we teach them the things not to do, the things to do, and the things to focus on in order to give them the best two things. Number one, to teach them the best things that they can do just for themselves first, right? Like you cannot control your spouse right now or ever, but you can control you, your actions, the way you behave, the way you respond. So let's teach you some of the best ways to do that. Because I don't care how many of us know we need to be kind and patient, right? When there is someone who is hurting us or we are scared of losing them, we don't always act in the best way. And so we work with people to to really help them change their behaviors to be the best possible relationship behaviors that they can have. And then secondly, we say, if anything works, this will. We have a proven research-based process that's been around for over 23 years that has over a 70% success rate at saving marriages, even when it is the most hopeless of situations. And I'm sure at some point during our conversation, I'll be able to share with you some of those specific stories, but it is amazing to be able to see what God has done in those people. And that's it. We believe that God has given us a recipe, so to say, a way to work with people that we just want to be amazing stewards of. And and so we see miracles happen. We're just the vessel. God's the one who makes it work. But we don't just work with Christians. We work with every type of religion, you know, anyone like that, like a different religion could come and they're all going to receive the same respect and no judgment or arm twisting and be given the best help to, to save their marriage. So that's what Marriage Helper does. But the way that Marriage Helper started was actually, we have to go back to about 1984. And it was at that time that the original founder of Marriage Helper, his name is Dr. Joe Beam. He was <laughs> sounds married. Familiar. Sounds, sounds like familiar. Sounds it familiar. sounds familiar. Uh, so he was married and had two kids at that time. He had been married about 12 years and had a 10 year old daughter and no 12 year old daughter and a seven year old daughter. And he was also a very well-known preacher in his denomination of, of Christendom. And he was so successful as a preacher and as a speaker and as an author that his speaking schedule was booked five years out. It was insane. And it was also at that time that he started having women approach him and flirt with him, like tempt him, all of these things, because he was successful. He was in the spotlight and he ended up having an affair with one of these women and deciding to leave his wife, leave his children to go and be with this other person and have this life that at that time looked so much more attractive to him. And he was a minister. like. He was that person. And we see a lot of this happening, unfortunately, in the world even today. And so he did. He divorced and ended up realizing that this life he thought he was going to have was not the promise that had been pictured. That relationship ended up ending. He ended up an alcoholic, a drug addict, bankrupt, living in the backseat of his car. He went from the highest of highs, so to say, to the lowest of lows. And it was not until he ended up in the ER one night, they believed he was going to die of blood alcohol poisoning, that he laid there and he said, God, I want to fix this. If I live through this, I will make it right. And he did both of those things. He lived through it and he said, 
I want to go back to the person I used to be because the person I've become is not who I like anymore. I want to go back to who I used to be. And so he went back to his ex-wife, Alice, and he said, will you take me back? He had cheated on her. He had been an addict. He had been bankrupt. He had no money. Everyone in her life said, do not do it. But she said, I knew in my heart that he was a good person who had done a lot of bad things, but I believed the right thing to do was to give it a second shot, especially for the kids. And that's what they did. They remarried. And after they remarried, learned how to fall back in love with each other. That always shocks people. They say, wait, they didn't love each other when they remarried. They would tell you they loved each other as how they would love the parent of their children, but they were not romantically in love with each other, but they were committed this time to figuring out how to make that happen. And so they did. And after they got remarried, established that second marriage, made it better than even the first marriage ever was, was when they decided to have a third child as a celebration. And I am the result of that remarriage that they had to each other. And so in the midnight or the mid to late 1990s, my dad had been working in the corporate world. He was not about to go back into ministry at that point. Um, He ended up going back into ministry, but he was doing a lot in the corporate world and was making a lot of money, but was completely unfulfilled. And so I remember when I was about eight to 10 years old was when he made the transition. He and my mom, they were talking, praying together and saying, how can we help people not have to experience the pain that we did and the pain that my two older sisters experienced through the divorce of my parents. And that is when Marriage Helper started. In 1999 was the first three-day workshop that my dad put together. And we've had two different research studies done on that workshop since then that have verified it has over a 70% success rate it's saving marriages. And, And that is the mission that Marriage Helper takes forward. So we were birthed from a couple that like they went through it and they figured it out. And that is in the DNA of what we do and continues to be. So we are passionate about the hopeless. We are passionate about when you don't know where else to turn, what do you do? We want to step in and use what God has given us to help. Are you someone that kind of gets obsessed with things like whether it's a new TV show or a restaurant? Bruce and I were on a walk and we discovered a new restaurant in our neighborhood and we went there on a date with a couple and then with another couple all within two weeks. Well, Rothy's could be your new everyday shoe obsession because I have two different pairs of Rothy's and I'll tell you that I rotate them. One is like a little bit fancier pair of their flats and another is their sneaker And between these two shoes, I can really transition from summer to fall easily because even though it's still 100 degrees in the fall here in Texas, I don't have to worry about them getting stinky. Told you all about my stinky feet because they're washable. I can throw them in the wash. I can de-stinkify them and keep wearing them. Look cute while I'm sweating. Um, You'll also find that once you see a pair of Rothy's, you'll start seeing them everywhere. You know how your brain does that? Lots, millions, okay, not lots, millions of women are wearing Rothy's every single day. They're comfortable. Like I said, they're washable. They last. I've had my point shoes that 
are kind of like my fall staple. They're an animal print, which is again, always, it's always a classic animal print. Um, and so I'm looking cute all the time. If you want to step up your shoe and accessory game and transition from summer to fall, get ready to be asked, are those Rothy's? Plus, get $20 off your first purchase if you go to rothys.com slash DMA. And if you want to know, it's spelled R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash DMA. Amazing. Just amazing. You wouldn't exist. Amazing. I literally would not exist. People ask me why I'm so passionate about this. And I I say, I, I owe my life to it. I would not be here if my mom, because it wasn't even, my dad was willing to, if my mom had not have been willing to. Yeah. And she was so strong. And she's, if you were to ever meet her, she is the perfect like Southern Belle saint. She is the kindest, sweetest, most gentle woman in the world. But she, but it's, she like, it's not just, like a pushover gentle. I'm not, not here pushover gentle. And that's what she learned through the first marriage and the divorce. And so when they came back together, it wasn't just her being walked on. It wasn't her not having any boundaries as people like to say or whatever, and just saying, well, I guess, no, she was saying, yeah, let's do this. But here, like, here's my stipulations. Here's the things that need to change. And, and they did. And so that I've been, I, it's also amazing because I have been modeled to parents who were so committed to each other, even though I would see them fight but I'd also see them resolve it. Mm. And my two sisters saw the opposite at first, right? Like, so it's really interesting that we both have the same parents, but we have such different upbringings and it's affected our own marriages based on that. Yeah. And so that's another reason I'm passionate about it because I see how it affects the kids positively and negatively. Yeah, and we carry that burden on top of the challenge of wanting Mm -hmm. to make marriage work or like, we know this has a ripple effect to this. This does go on for generations. And maybe we've been handed a hard Mm -hmm. marriage story. Maybe we were taught Mm -hmm. that when things get hard, you just get, you get divorced year it's done. And I do want to do the caveat, which anytime we talk about marriage, we give this caveat. We are not talking about an abusive relationship. Am I correct? Like, you probably Absolutely. have to navigate walking women and men through the challenges of being in an abusive relationship because yeah, that presents its own complications and what we're talking yeah. about, right? Get safe. That's what we say. Get safe. If yeah. you're not safe, you have to get safe. Yeah. Okay. That's number yeah. one. We just, I just want to make sure we just, because the enemy will use anything we say to move in the direction I he know. wants to go. That's very true. So, Okay. We, this is important. There is hope if you are that one that has been told your spouse wants a divorce or you just discovered an affair or, you know, we've done episodes with two, one of my friends and another gal, Cheryl Scruggs, who have come back to their marriages after affairs. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Let's talk about how to support the moms and dads with those young kids in the stressful years who like we just said, maybe didn't have a great model of how to move through challenges, how to reconcile when there is fighting. Like, where do you start with that? What, what advice would you give? That's kind of big question. It is, it is big because you're, 
the the obstacle to overcome here is it's difficult to know how to do something that wasn't modeled to you. That is the whole, I won't say the whole point of parenting, but that's a huge part of parenting is us modeling to our children the the appropriate things that we want to see them grow into or warn them about about what not to do. And so when we're talking about how do you take someone who who grew up in a broken home, saw a lot of fighting, doesn't want to have that in their own marriage and maybe is more sensitive to it when it begins to happen, because there's a lot of fears that come up around that, I would say it's really important to have an amazing support system of people who are pro-marriage, pro-your marriage, and are pro like talking about their marriage in a positive way. So I remember when we were in the military, when my husband was in the military, one of the things that was really difficult is a lot of military wives would get together and just bash their husbands with each other. Talk about all the things they were frustrated with and not in a way of like, I'm frustrated with this, help me work through it. But just in this spouse bashing, And that is so detrimental to our marriages because when we look at the research, the way that I view my husband can all go positive or negative based on the stories I tell myself about him, even if he isn't doing anything wrong. But if I tell myself a story about what I think his intentions are, or if I make assumptions, then I will end up hurting the marriage just based on the stories I tell myself. So how can we surround ourselves with people who are going to, who are going to intervene on us and speak truth into our lives that are encouraging us to having a better marriage, not just ones that are going to keep us stuck in these negative cycles. Now it can be hard to find that group of people. It can be hard to find those other women that are going to do that. But my encouragement would be number one, you have to stand up for your own marriage first and foremost and say, hey, I'm struggling with something, but I love my husband. I love my marriage. I just need you to help me see what I could possibly do different here. Or can you just give me hope about how to interpret my, my husband's interactions here or, or what he said, right? So we have the, that's our burden. That's our responsibility is that we need to enter into the spaces we go with a protection of our marriage. But you also have to balance that with, you don't want to be so scared about opening up with others that you hold everything in and you don't have somewhere to go that's safe and that's hope-filled and that's gospel-centered, right? Like we need we need to find that balance. So that's one way I would say of how you can find support. And we can talk about several more, but I'll see what your thoughts are. Our next question. Yeah, are I'm from curious. There. Like, I feel like in that situation too, it's doing what we just said, modeling it Mm -hmm. for that community. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's been a habit in that community to do that, to be the one who kind of says the positive thing and not Pollyanna-esque, but just there are things that you could communicate positively about your spouse. Sometimes it feels kind of awkward because the pattern has been bashing. So to come in and be like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was so amazing. My husband, X, Y, and Z, you don't share it because you don't want to sound like you're bragging or that hasn't been the pattern of communication. You don't understand Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Like you have to be the one that kind of flips the switch to start changing the public narrative of what we're going to talk about, but it's risky because 
I don't know. Sometimes I don't want to, I don't want to make other people feel bad because of my amazing husband, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. The other thing I would add to it is, so for me, uh, there are three to four women that I would go to for what I am talking about here. Like I, for, for the deep issues. Right. And I also realized because of the work that I do in the space that I'm in, I'm really aware of my marriage and I'm super aware of what's going well, what's not going well, probably hypersensitive. So I have women that I just go to have like, talk me off a ledge, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm overanalyzing right now. I have a little more anxiety and I'm, I'm a very anxious person in general. Um, so like speak some truth into my life about what I'm not seeing right it. now. Yeah. And I only share that with trusted people. But then there's other things and those are the deep issues, but then there's other things where it's just in general, like, Hey, we have been really struggling with like our finances over the past couple of months. Do any of y'all have ideas of how, like some ways we can talk about it or how to get on track? That may be something. If you have a group of girls, like at my church, we have a small group and there's about eight girls that are a part of it. And so that might be something that I go to them with, right? Because it's a bit of a larger group, but I'm not going to go to them if I'm like, really struggling with something way deeper because I haven't built that level of trust with them. And I don't know that I trust what they're going to say back. The underlying principle here is if you're going to have someone speak into your marriage, this could be a counselor, a pastor, a therapist, a friend, a family member, you need to trust that what they say is in line with your commitment to your marriage. If you are wanting to save your marriage, if you're wanting to keep your marriage together, then you need to make sure people are speaking into your life who align with that. And that is across the board. Because I, again, in the seat I've been in, so many people come to us who have gone to counseling or therapy, or even unfortunately at times to a pastor. And they say, well, my counselor said I should just divorce. And sometimes it's over things like we had personality differences and the and the counselor just said that that we were never going to move past it. And I look at that and I think you can absolutely learn how to communicate better with each other based on your personality like we can help you do that. You don't need to divorce, but everyone that speaks to you is bringing their own lens as well. Yeah. I was trained as a marriage and family therapist and was in school with people who while getting their degrees had affairs and divorce their spouse. And I just take that lens with me. And that is why I'm so passionate about telling people, you have to trust the person you're allowing to speak into the most important earthly relationship that we have. The most important is the one with God. But right after that is the one with your husband or the one with husbands and wives, right? Like that is the second most important. And that has to be modeled to the children. Yeah, no, that's, I I get what you're saying now. When you're talking about, we are on an edge and my hope is to restore and redeem this marriage. I need to make sure people are aligned with that goal. Exactly. Okay. So let's get into some nitty gritty everyday parenting challenges and marriage. I've got a lot of people who are like, what do I do when I want to parent in partnership with my spouse, but we Mm -hmm. do not align on the approach, whether it's different rules, mm-hmm. different expectations, different discipline. Yeah. And again, a lot of those come from our own childhood experiences. And we're just, even if we hated what our parents did, we naturally right. default to that method. Naturally. 
Yep, very naturally. This, I remember when Rob and I were waiting for that year in our adoption process, we had a lot of conversations about here's what we want to do and how our approach wants to be. But when the rubber hit the road and we were actually in a situation, we did not always stay true to what we said when everything was hypothetical and roses and daisies, right? And the most important thing you can do here is have that time for conversation. And it can sound so easy, but it's what most couples don't actually do. They don't actually take the time to have a non-fighting conversation about the approach or about what they're wanting to do. And so when we when we look at, at some of the research, we know that if we enter into a conversation with what's called a harsh startup, so if I disagree with something my husband did and I start the conversation with, Rob, like, why would you do that? We talked about this. It's not what I want to see happen. It's like, it's not what is best for the kids. Why would you do that? There is nowhere for that conversation to go, but downhill because I've already accused him in the very first sentence. The more ideal conversation would be having a a non-stressful time. So it's probably not going to be at the time of whatever is currently stressing you out. But maybe one night after dinner, after the kids are asleep, it's been, a, it's been a nice day. Having that conversation of saying, hey, I really love these certain ways that we have been parenting together really well, right? Like, I love that we help each other put the kids to bed at night. I love whatever it is that you love. But I really want us to just have a conversation about this one part and get on the same page. And then ask questions like, what is it that you want to see happen when the kids... Uh, yell at each other for the 18th time. I mean, pick whatever it is and say, how would you most want to handle that? And then listen to their answers and then say back, you know, here's something that I would like to see happen and try and talk more in the positive than you do in the negative. So instead of saying, here's what I don't want you to do, it's way more effective to say, here's how I've currently been feeling and to help me with that here is what I would really like you to do. Like, here's the specific positive action that I would want you to do. This isn't necessarily about parenting, but an example I can give is a couple of months ago, I had a broken foot and I was so depressed. You lose three limbs. You don't just lose one. You lose three. You have crutches. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was terrible. It's it the worst. Terrible. It's the worst. It, I have empathy for you. I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> Thank it's, a, you. it's horrible. Thank you. I yes. appreciate your empathy. Yes. I ended up in counseling after that. It was that bad. It was bad. It's bad. It's bad. Listen, it, I went through a deep depression yeah. because a lot of the things I had been basing my self-worth on, I couldn't do anymore. Yep. Like physically couldn't yep. do and had to have my body rest. Yep. And so as part of, of me, just like all I could do was sit on the couch and I was just watching the chores pile up around. I was watching the laundry, watching. And so Rob was taking care of both kids and having to do all of this stuff. But all I could see was, all I wanted to say to him was, you're not doing enough because the, all of this other stuff has to happen and I can't do it, right? I was frustrated. But what I said to him was, Rob, I am feeling so depressed. And when I see all of these things happening and I feel like I still need to do them because I'm neurotic about them needing to get done, it just makes it worse. I would love your help with just working with me, like 
you know, every night, can we just work together to get some of these things done? Because I also realize you're not able to do every single thing and take care of the kids. But maybe if like you could bring me the laundry and we work on that part of it together, at least that part of it will be done and it'll take less time, right? So that's an example of a better way to have the conversation. I'm someone who's totally willing to try a cleaner product, one that's chemical-free, vegan-free, cruelty-free, but it also needs to perform better than my other product, if you know what I'm saying. And that's why I've loved Thrive Cosmetics, and cause is spelled like a good cause. What I love is their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. I'm not even joking you. Now, it's not just their best-selling product. I have loved it because of their technology, it is lengthening my mascara, it's opening my eyes, it's clean, it's nourishing, I haven't had damage. It has this tubing formula, so it just slides right off your eyelashes with warm water and a washcloth. You don't even have to use soap. It has more than 20,000 five-star reviews, and it totally lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking. That's a big deal for me since I was in my teens. I couldn't figure out the eye makeup situation without look like having dark rings under my eyes. So beyond that, Thrive Cosmetics is even bigger than just great looking lashes because they donate to communities to help them thrive. They have over 300 giving partners across the country supporting so many different causes. So it is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself because you can get 15% off your first order when you go to thrivecosmetics.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone. It's Thrive Cosmetics. And remember, it's cause, C-A-U-S-E, metics, M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash DMA to get 15% off your first order. But unfortunately, we don't typically go into our conversations in that positive mindset because we're already frustrated, which is the next important part of just be intentional about having that time with just the two of you. And I know there's a bunch of excuses, but the kids, but finances, we can't go on a date night. We don't live close to babysitters that we trust, right? Like we don't have family nearby and we don't have babysitters that we know of. There can be a ton of excuses, but there's always an overcome for those obstacles, because it could simply be we're putting the kids down an hour earlier on a Friday, and we're just going to sit on our back porch, front porch, whatever, and just drink a mocktail together or like cook dinner together. Like you can always find something to do that doesn't cost money and you don't have to go anywhere, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional about it. Chapter, I can't remember, chapter 10 of my book, I don't know, was all about like us hitting that come to Jesus, the more kids we added and we're just missing each other. We weren't making that time because it used to happen all the time. And so then with young kids and you're zapped emotionally and physically, and you don't even want to do things socially, you had to kind of fit it into our daily rhythms. Like you're saying, after kids are in bed, let's meet on the couch before we turn on any devices. Exactly. And now like our biggest marriage leap happened with a Saturday morning walk, like Mm. consistent every week. And we have older kids so we can leave them, but you could do a circle of your house. You could just walk back and forth in front of your, your house and uh, leave one phone home. I don't know. 
do it before kids are up there. Like you said, there are options. And mm-hmm. I think what I've heard with some friends is, yeah, I know there are options, but I'm to the point where I don't even want to like, mm-hmm. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in having that conversation because there's so much bitterness about maybe mm-hmm. the inequality of care and help. And I think your example yeah. of having the broken foot and feeling like you're seeing like, oh, wow, these are all the things I'm not able to do. And that matter to me. I think we can feel that way, even without the broken foot, like you can feel like, yeah. Sure. I care more about how they turn out or I do more or whatever the more is we're keeping this balance sheet. So talk yes. to us. I know I told you we'd be done talking, but I can't stop talking about this. So, yeah. Good. Any advice? Cause I think what you were saying and like the approach of not starting with a harsh start, keeping mm-hmm. that positive, what's another way to handle the inequality piece? Yeah. So I'll start by saying this. It's more difficult to have those harder conversations about hurt feelings, about power in different power differentiations and all of that stuff when there's already not a baseline of friendship. So when we look at love, this is going to be a fun science explanation for you real quick. It was really interesting before research actually identified like, what is love, right? How do you actually quantify what love is? But a couple of years ago, well, a couple a couple of decades ago now, Dr. Sternberg actually did research that quantified down the three components of love. He found that there was three components of love and they are intimacy, passion, and commitment. Intimacy means say it slower and you have it into me. See, when I have intimacy with my husband, I feel like he is my best friend. He knows everything about me and I can tell him everything about me and he's going to cherish it. I can be vulnerable with him, right? Intimacy is really that strong foundation of friendship that you have in your marriage. And it continues to grow through continued curiosity. So back when my husband and I were dating, we would play what we called the question game. And it was simply as it sounds, he would ask a question, I would answer, I would ask a question, he would answer. And the only rule was he can't use the question I just asked as his next question. He has to hold off on that (laughs) for another question. And we would play that all of the time, all of the time. And unfortunately, after we got married, the question game stopped. But we don't stop growing. We don't stop changing and having new desires and things like that in life. And so it's important for us to continue to stay curious. And so we've implemented the question game back, especially when we go on trips, just the two of us, and we're driving down the road. It's like, hey, let's play the question game. But this is something you can do every night or once a weekend, right? Just take some time and ask each other questions or take some time and just ask each other, tell me a story about something fun that happened in your childhood? Like what was the best family vacation that you had? Or uh, I had one person on my podcast who said, just put a bowl in the middle of your dining room table and write a bunch of nouns on, on little strips of paper and fold them up and put them in the bowl. And then just have you or your husband or your kids could even be involved with this and pick out a sheet from the bowl and maybe the word giraffe that comes out of it. And it's like, tell a story about your last experience with a giraffe. Or tell a story about the last time you had cotton candy or the first time you had cotton candy, right? And so it helps us to learn more about other the other person because the more we know about a person, the more we tend to love them, the more empathy we tend to have towards them, 
because we understand them in a different way. So that's the first part of love. The second part is passion. And passion can be sexual. It definitely has a sexual aspect to it, but it's really more about a craving for oneness. You long to be with your spouse in a hard situation or in an amazing situation. You can't wait to tell them about it. And again, all of these act in tandem with with each other because the more I know about Rob, then when I'm somewhere and I see something he loves, I'm automatically going to be like, I wish he was here. He would love this. I wish we could experience this together. But another way that you can do this is by having shared experiences together, by going in and trying a new type of food or hiking at a new place you've never been or traveling or whatever it might be, have some of those new experiences. It can really, really deepen the levels of passion you feel towards each other. And of course, romance and sex fall under that as well, which is why it's important to continue to keep that romance inside and outside of the bedroom alive. And then that third part is commitment. And commitment says, I'm going to make the decision that is best for the future of the marriage all the time. Not the decision that's best for me, but the decision that's best for our relationship, for our marriage. And this is what builds trust. Because when I trust that Rob is going to make the best decision for our future, not just his future, then I trust him deeper and deeper. And I would say that every action in a marriage is trust building or trust breaking. You are either making a decision that's best for the two, for the marriage or a decision that's not Mm. all the way from, I said, I was going to take out the trash and I didn't. Or I said I was going to be home for dinner and I wasn't. Now, the deeper that your trust is overall, the better your relationship can handle some of those more shallow, like he said he was going to be home at six, but he got stuck at work. Yeah, I understand, right? Yeah. Like that's fine because I trust him. But the deeper the lack of trust, then even the tiniest things can set off a continual domino effect of no trust. And that is actually what leads to those negative stories that I was yep. talking about. Yeah. When there's a perpetual mistrust, the only place my brain can go is filling in the why with a negative story. And so it all begins, the way to reset all of that is by doing these trust builds. And so all of that was kind of the foundation to say <laughs> That when we understand that this is how love is is not just built, but how it's sustained, then we realize that if we're going to have those harder conversations, there's actually a lot of things that need to be in place. Now that can feel overwhelming, but the the best place to start is start with the friendship Hmm. because it's in the friendship you can begin to rebuild the trust. And once you have the intimacy and the trust, you're more likely to make yourself vulnerable for deeper passion. So good. Amazing. So good. And I'm thinking like everything you're talking about, I was like, oh yeah. Okay. There's a great resource. Y'all want questions. My friend Meredith, who's come on the show, she has concrete conversations. They're adorable, like millennial looking concrete containers with a little wooden lid, but there's a couple's version. There's a family's version. Cause I I think that same intimacy with your kids, like I remember a yes. season when my older two would ask my husband at bedtime every night, like, tell me a story when you were little, tell me a story when you were little and how connected they are to him yeah. and how that trust translates as their teenagers now that he's yes. for their best. Like he knows that. So yes. these, yes, they're for your marriage, but ultimately 
again, that you're then modeling. This is how we know people. We ask people questions. We get to know them. And then you're modeling that intimacy in front of your kids um, and that passion and they've shared experiences. Sometimes they're not even intentional, positive ones. They could be like Mm -hmm. a flat tire on the side of the road on a family vacation that ends up being a good story or really hard challenges that you come together through them. Like your broken foot, like it's built into your marriage that, okay, we tested these vows for better, for worse. Mm -hmm. And we have trusted one another in the worst. And so I think that there's a lot to what you said. I really, really love. And I want to talk for decades. This is so good. (laughs) I'm so thankful to have met you. We're going to have to have you come back on to go next level. I think we did a good one-on-one here. Yeah. I'd love to, but please check out Kimberly's podcast for resources They have courses, they have, y'all have retreats, I think, or no. Yeah. We call them workshops. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, go to the website, check it all out. Tell them I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but it's marriagehelper.com. Is that right? That's right. Marriagehelper.com. You can find everything there that you are looking for. And we'll put Kimberly's own Instagram account and all the things, but we really appreciate you, Kimberly. Thank you for pouring into us today. I feel encouraged Mm. and hopeful. That's the key. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I loved our conversation. My hope is whatever obstacle you have in your marriage right now, um, whatever feels big and insurmountable, that this conversation would encourage you to reach out, get the help and support that you need in whatever area, big or small in your mind, that you could connect in a new way because of what was shared, um, get the Support from Marriage Helper if you need it or other places to surround yourself with that safe community, to spend intentional time becoming friends again with your spouse, to not lose that aspect of your marriage in the busyness of life. I'm going to pray over all of our marriages because I know this is a tender topic. Lord, I thank you that you have given us this gift, this image of the intimacy you desire with us, Lord, that you desire this connection and this relationship with us that we would trust you more. And Lord, I pray for each individual represented in the marriage that you would be the one wooing them, drawing them in to get the healing they need on their side of the relationship. I pray that we would seek positive narratives write narratives about the experiences and our stories and our marriages um, that we would believe better. And I pray, Lord, that the deep work that needs to be done based on our stories of origin stories, our parents' marriages, our childhood, that we would be willing to seek out the help for those aspects of our life that um, are impacting our other relationships. I pray for hope to reign over every couple that's listening and represented here. I pray for anyone listening whose marriage um, has ended and they are devastated or needed to end based on um, abuse or challenge. And I pray, Lord, that you would be their everyday help and encouragement and a world that it's hard to be living a life as um, a single parent. Lord, I pray that you would draw them even closer to you and they would feel your comfort and care. And Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all, thanks for joining me. 
Next week, another amazing interview. I'm going to help. We're going to talk about teens and faith and um, another great resource to connect you with. My boys go back to school this week, three different schools. Going to be good. It's going to be good. Keeping track of all the emails has been my fun new challenge. But I am hopeful about this next year. I hope you are as well. And um, I'm just thankful when I get to connect with any of y'all. Don't forget great ways to connect with me if you're new to this, listening to the show. Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at Don't Mom Alone. If you want to get a little drop in your inbox from me on Mondays with the next episode and what I'm loving that week, my favorite things, whether it's what I've bought on Amazon or what I've fed my family or just a great book or resource I found, go to olaheather.com and you can sign up to get that. Ola starts with an H like Heather, H-O-L-A, heather.com, and you can sign up. All right. See y'all here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.